listening to Life in Limbo, a podcast about building a life you love on the foundation of what's most important to you. I'm your host, Stephanie Pellet, and each week I'll be chatting with an interesting person or sharing my own reflections on how we can stay connected to our personal values, measure what matters most to us, listen to our own voices, and build a life we love. This week on the podcast, I'm talking about why I'm committed to the long game in my personal life and in my business and how I stick to that commitment over time. Let's go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Life in Limbo podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you're having a great week so far. It's only Tuesday, but we have lots to be grateful for and lots to look forward to. Um, November is shaping up to be a very full and rich month for me, and I hope the same is true for you. It's interesting because the weather is kind of making us turn more inward, but November at least is really active for me and exciting. Lots of interesting things are happening. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I did want to say right off the top that next week's episode is going to be the last episode of season two. I just think it's time for a rest. I'm kind of blocking the podcast out into sets of 10 or 11 episodes and we're coming up to a busy time for me. So I'm like, kind of downgrading a few of my responsibilities. And I'll be back probably in January with sort of New Year's resolutions and new interviews, and it'll be really great. I'm really excited. So, yep, stay tuned for next week. And after that, we'll like take a little bit of a break and everybody can breathe a little bit and catch up on all their other podcasts and (laughs) reading and all those nice things that sometimes fall by the wayside during our busy lives. So today on the podcast, I wanted to talk about the long game. This is one of my favorite topics. I think it is something that's really important, especially for entrepreneurs or anybody who's building towards something. Even just for us personally in our lives, it's important for us to have this in mind. As we move through the world, as we make decisions, we need to be thinking about the long game. And this is a topic that's been on my mind for a long time now, a long time, the long game has been on my mind, um, to the point where the other day I was finishing up making a, a few of my intuition cards that I started at my friend Or's workshop. So you heard Or on the podcast episode number four. And I had gone to Or's workshop back in May and we made these beautiful intuition cards where you kind of use the imagery that speaks to you and develop cards that have meanings for you that you can use to guide your thinking or to give you a new perspective. And it had been several months since I had worked on the last two uh, that I still had to complete. And as I was going through all the materials that I had pulled back in May, and I was kind of thinking about this podcast episode and and trying to work it into a you know the thoughts that I wanted to share. All of a sudden, this piece of paper sort of fell out from between these other magazine cuttings, and it just said the slow game on it. And I I just thought that was so beautiful because clearly that resonated with me back in May. It's still resonating with me now, and I imagine it will for a very very long time to come. So yes, I made a card that is very beautiful and has the slow game written on it. And my hope is that every time I pull it, I will be reminded of this 
whole podcast episode and all the things that I'm going to be sharing today to try to keep my mind in the right place as I work on big projects that take a long time. And for it to be fruitful, it needs an incubation or a resting period. I wanted to start this conversation of the slow game by sharing a quote from Brene Brown's latest book, Dare to Lead, which I've only just started, but this quote really stood out to me. Uh, When I first started the book, I opened it up. It's probably in the first chapter or something like that. In it, she's sharing her definition of a rumble. And in her framework, a rumble is a, quote, discussion, conversation, or meeting defined by a commitment to lean into vulnerability, to stay curious and generous, to stick with the messy middle of problem identification and solving, to take a break and circle back when necessary, to be fearless in owning our parts, and to listen with the same passion with which we want to be heard. I think her definitions are always so beautiful and comprehensive. And I love this one because I absolutely agree that we need to have more of these kinds of conversations and meetings and talks with each other. But I also felt what a beautiful metaphor for the entrepreneurial process or the spiritual process in general, right? So we could really insert uh, the spiritual process, entrepreneurial process, in place of the word rumble, and it would kind of be the same thing, right? Things like leaning into vulnerability, staying curious, sticking with the messy middle, that's a big one, taking a break and circling back when necessary, and to me that indicates circling back to our values, um, and to be fearless in owning our parts. So I just wanted to share that as kind of a, you know, metaphor for what we're talking about with the long game, I think a lot of it has to do with a commitment to stay curious, to stay vulnerable, and to be in the messy middle of everything as it's moving forward. That to me is kind of what the long game represents, is that we need to be in the messy parts. We need to be walking through every single step that feels maybe challenging. We're not necessarily seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We're not really sure how this step connects to the one before it or the one after it, but we're kind of in the middle and we're trying and we're we're moving forward as fearlessly as we can in an attempt to get to what matters most to us. So thank you, Renee, again for such an amazing definition. And I think that this is a good way to help us remember how the long game shows up in our lives and why it's important to stay with it. Um, One of my favorite podcasts, Rework, has been sharing a few episodes recently that really kind of hammered this home to me. Um, One of them is the myth of the overnight sensation. So on that episode, they talked a lot about all of these different business owners who kind of blew up all of a sudden, but they interview each of them and go back and see how many years <laughs> and how much hard work it took for each of them to get to the point where they would be on something like Shark Tank and suddenly their companies explode overnight or don't explode overnight, as the case may be. So it was a super fascinating episode. I would really recommend it. But the other episode that I thought was really interesting was one of their special episodes recently uh, to promote their recent book that's coming out. It's called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. I'm very excited to read it. And in that episode, they were talking about their sort of marketing and creative process around the new book. So all the process that it took for them to write the book, but also how they're marketing the book and putting it out into the world. And they're sharing that they actually don't really need it to be super 
successful in the way that we would typically think about something being successful, especially when it comes to book sales. They talk about how their first book rework was so popular and made the New York Times bestseller list and all of these things. And then their second book, which was called Remote, really didn't do as well overall. And part of that is because it was a more niche topic that didn't apply to every type of business. But they they said something that was so amazing in this episode. They said, what's important to us is that we need to write the book that we want to read and then just understand that it will do as well as it's going to do. (laughs) What a beautiful act of surrender, right? It'll do as well as it's going to do. We're going to try all the things that make sense for us to try. But they also say, and I felt like this was such a beautiful point too, we do not want to be gripped by unrealistic expectations. And I felt like that was Again, this really overarching theme of the long game is we need to be committed and not gripped by unrealistic expectations. We need to think about staying power. We need to think about the long-term impact of our work and how it will show up five years from now, 10 years from now. Um, They talk about how rework, yeah, sure, it was exciting in the first week. It was nice for their egos to uh, have it make all these bestseller lists and it gives you, you know, this nice hit of dopamine and you're very excited. But what they talk about is that none of that really matters as much in the grand scheme of, let's say, a 10-year period where they can look back at the first book now and see that it's still selling. They're still getting feedback on it. They're still getting great comments about it. And that's the staying power that they're really looking for with their work and all the things that they put out into the world, their blog posts, the actual product of Basecamp itself. All of those things are designed to have staying power and to make a difference in people's lives over a longer period of time to literally change the culture of work and the way that people work in their companies and in their endeavors. So they make it all about how can we have this have staying power and how can we make sure that it's still relevant 10 years from now in a way that will still be helping people. And I just thought, what an amazing way to reframe the work that you're doing in the world. Because the alternative to this idea, which is a very common and popular idea, especially right now, I think the last few years have really been rampant with this kind of thinking, which is the 10x your results type of thinking. (laughs) So um, I share it in that voice because I have friends who will be laughing their heads off when they hear me say it. But you know, this kind of thinking is extremely popular. I have dated people who think this way. Um, I think especially in the coaching world, it's really popular to say, hey, follow me and 10x your results, you know, which first of all, that is an assumption that we all want to 10x our results. But usually if we 10x our results, that's going to come with a lot of extra complications. Maybe we need to hire people. Maybe we're not ready for that. You know, it's this very interesting and sneaky kind of promise that's actually not a promise, right? I mean, that's what they're saying is going to happen, but actually it never really happens that way, right? (laughs) Nothing really happens that way. Everything takes a long time. The long game is sadly the only game in town. That's kind of how it works. So what our job is, is to not buy the lie. Now, That doesn't mean that there aren't things we can do to optimize our businesses, to get better incrementally, to start being more efficient than we were six months ago or four months ago or two months ago. We can work on our systems so that we have more time and we can outsource things that we don't need to be doing. All of these things are true. But when people are telling you promises of 
10xing your results or doubling and tripling your business in one year or whatever the case may be, most of the time we need to take that with about 18 grains of salt, okay? We need to make sure that we're not buying into the lie because guess what? Anybody who tells you this kind of thought or belief is probably benefiting financially from you believing them. And I see this a lot with bloggers right now who are publishing their income reports and they're sharing that they're making, you know, $100,000 a month or more. And most of the time, and not all the time, obviously there are a lot of exceptions, but a lot of the time, the way that they're making that money is by teaching other people how to build a business that's going to scale. But what's interesting is that they're basically only scaling their own business by teaching other people how to scale their businesses. So in a sense, it's a bit of a pyramid scheme, right? Because realistically, if we're all just going to use those methods to teach each other how to have better businesses, then what about the people who are doing a different type of business, right? These are, these businesses rely on being able to teach business skills. But let's say someone is a you know, pharmacist or like a, a personal trainer, and they instead want to build a business of personal training rather than teaching business skills, um, that's going to f- maybe not work as well as the other person. Now, that's a bit of a convoluted way of thinking about it, but I just want to say overall that it just really seems like most of the time people are benefiting really financially from telling you that you can 10x your results overnight um, and get better <laughs> in a really short period of time or completely change your business model, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Usually, what it takes is a long game. It takes time. You can look back at someone like Marie Forleo. I love looking back at her videos from when she first started. And I actually was watching her Marie TV, not right when she first started, but maybe like a year after she had first started, back in the old, you know, brick wall days, some people will remember. And she did a great job, but she didn't go from then to where she is now overnight. It's been many years. And so now her sets are beautiful. Now she has a hair and makeup team every single episode. Now she has the best kind of video editing, but she really started small and she built it up over time as she could afford it, as it took off, as it was more successful, but she was committed to the long game. She was committed to doing the action steps that she could take and improving it over time, but not expecting that she should just invest her life savings in making the videos as high quality as they are now, because also it wouldn't work. She needed to go through every step of the process that she's been through. Every iteration of Marie TV got better because of the one before it. So it's the same for our businesses. Every step of our business journeys is improved and better based on the steps we've taken before. We can't skip the middle part. We can't skip the messy middle, right? Um, And Sonia Seiler talked a little bit about this on her podcast episode, episode number 15, but the same is true for all of us. We really need to learn from what we've done before and get to the place where we want to be over time, incrementally. It doesn't happen overnight. So how do we stay committed to the long game? I think that's kind of the big question of, uh, because it takes effort. It takes commitment, right? Commitment is a word that keeps coming up and again and again and again. And the reason it keeps coming up is because it does take commitment. 
it's going to take time. So how do we stay committed to it, even though we're not seeing things change as fast as we might like or as fast as some people are telling us they might change? How do we stay in it long enough to start to see our work pay off and have that staying power that I was talking about? So I think the way that we do this is by measuring the types of markers that are important to you or your business and finding ways to actually track those or at least keep them somewhere, have a way to check back in with them over time that keeps you committed and reminds you that you are staying you know, connected to your purpose, which is why you started this whole thing in the first place. Um, I went to an amazing Creative Mornings talk last week uh, with a man named Drew Dudley who um, was talking about how unhappiness occurs when there's a gap between who we want to be and how we're living and behaving. And his whole thing was all about values and how we need to specifically define our values to the point where we can say this value is a commitment to X and really define the behaviors and actions that embody your values so that you can actually know when and if you're achieving them each day, right? We need to be able to sort of check off hey, did I do behaviors today that embody kindness, that embody generosity? So it's not just the sort of vague idea of generosity. It's like, I know I'm being generous if I have been committed to X, Y, or Z. So I think that that's a really nice framework to think about it. He, he also says that usually our values-based choice is not always the choice that we want to make in the moment, but usually it's the choice we'll be glad that we made five years from now which again, you know, this five-year, 10-year thing, this is all, we're all talking about the same thing. We're all talking about how do we stay in it for the long game, right? What matters overall over the next 10 years is how much we were committed to our values and how much we stayed true to who we are as people. So we need to be every day thinking about how do we stay committed and connected to our values and make sure that that's taking the forefront. I think another interesting way to go about this is to keep memorabilia of different stages of your journey and have it in one place. This idea came up because I was cleaning out uh, the Without Pretend office space. We're very excited. The publishing company that I work for um, is cleaning out and making a new office. And we were going through and we literally created a basket of all of the memorabilia. So that's like newspaper clippings or um, like notes from different meetings, brainstorming sessions, the first cover proof posters from different events, just everything that we were talking about that if we ever become famous one day, um, this is the kind of memorabilia we'll want to have around to look back over the journey and how it took us, how long it took us to get here and every step along the way. So I started, you know, nicknaming it famous memorabilia. I don't know if that's really the best way to frame it, but it also came up because Asanya, I was over at her house. Um, she's creating a new workshop space and she found uh, the poster from the very first Nurture Retreat, which was so sweet and actually looked really similar in terms of branding and everything. Like, it's not like it was so um, long ago. You know, sometimes you see your old graphic design work and you're just like, oh gosh, but it was not like that. It was beautiful. It was very Sonia, very Nurture. Um, and I was like, you got to keep a file for that because then you can look back on your journey and see all the different steps that it's taken you to get to where you are today so that you have that visual representation in your life that shows you that you've made progress towards your goals and that you're doing really well and you have so many things to be grateful for at every stage of your journey. 
To me, this always looks like my sunshine file, which is something that I started, uh, I don't know how long ago now, a few years ago now. Um, it's literally, I'm, I, it's really simple. I'm going to be really honest about it. It's messy. It doesn't look good, um, but it makes me feel good. It's a Google Doc called Sunshine File. And all it is, because I was getting really tired of like copying and pasting um, various things. So it's literally screenshots in this Google Doc of any compliments that I get, especially around my work, but it doesn't only have to be my work. Um, that can be comments and nice things that people say about the podcast. And it's just all in one place. It's like every time somebody sends me something that makes my heart feel warm or makes me feel like, yes, that, that is why I'm doing what I do. It goes into the sunshine file. And then if I'm having a bad day, I mean, I don't always remember to look at it, but every time I do remember to look at it, it just makes me feel like, right, right. That's why I do this. That's why I want to do this. People are resonating with what I'm doing. This is making a difference to somebody. And that is so wonderful. And sometimes I type in, if somebody says a compliment in person, then I'll like add it in typing it. But most of the time, it's just a screenshot from my email or from Slack or wherever um, that I just put all in one place. And I think that's an invaluable tool for anybody. And it doesn't really matter how you build one, but make one, make one for yourself, make one for your business, have a place that you can collect all of those things that make you feel like, oh, right, that's why I'm committed to this journey. And another example might be of just find a way to look at all the different metrics that might be your values-based metrics for your own business um, or your own life. I mean, it doesn't have to be business. I'll, I'll give the example again of without pretend, because while we do track actual metrics like Instagram followers and, and you know, likes on Facebook and things like that, um, I think that, you know, there's some value in tracking those things. We also have sort of less tangible trackers that we try to stay committed to, and we're continuing to try to incorporate it as more of a deeper part of the way that we run the business, but it's really about how do we measure other things? So how do we measure like how well we're doing in terms of the number of artists and writers that we can support in our business? That's really important to us. How do we measure things like diversity on our team and in all of the people that we work with? That's a value that's so important to Aaron and I is giving voices to people who don't always get the chance to speak. And well, not speak, you know what I mean, like have a platform for uh, their message. So how well are we doing in terms of diverse representation in our business and the people that we're working with? You know, how many heartfelt emails are we getting as a response to our email newsletter? Or how many uh, people are sharing it with a friend or having an interesting conversation with their friends um, on the basis of something that we put in a book or in one of our magazines? And we don't always get to see every single piece of this, but every time that we do, we're really trying to store that away and keep that as part of the reason um, why we're committed to this. And also as a barometer for how we're doing, are we headed in the right direction? Have we gotten enough of, you know, have we been diverse enough recently? Or have we been getting this feedback about um, uh, people resonating with the, the newsletter message? I mean, it can start to sound almost like a little bit corporate, but it's not like that. It's really like how, how, what are the things that matter to us and how can we stay committed to them? So I really would encourage you to think about what those metrics are for you, the metrics that are not standard metrics, typical metrics, but the metrics that really measure what matters to you as a business owner, as a person, as a human. 
um, my friend Laura a few years ago had a goal to have meaningful conversations and I forget what the number was, but I think it was like one meaningful conversation a day. And she made it a metric for herself because otherwise it was something that could easily fall by the wayside. And I think it's the same is true for all of us. These things we can tend to delegitimize them almost or put less importance on them, but when really they are the most important thing. Our values are the most important thing. And that is what is going to give our work staying power. That is what is going to give people that impact that we're really hoping and seeking to have. It's not how many Instagram followers we have. It's how many people are resonating with our work and how much we feel like we are giving back to the world. So I'm going to leave you with that. I hope that that resonated for some of you. And please let me know, what are your markers for personal success? What helps you stay committed to the long, slow game of improving over time and learning from your mistakes and getting better and better and better um, and closer and closer to the person that you want to be and closer and closer to living um, from your values and closing that gap between who you want to be and how you're living every single day. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you very soon. Thanks for listening to the Life in Limbo podcast. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or reach out and let me know at Steph Pellet on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. As always, you can find show notes for this and all episodes at lifeinlimbo.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.